1: Hi everyone, welcome to Dishing With Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi everyone. Well, Mara, we have great news for fans of Days of Our Lives and really for fans of soaps everywhere. So the long-running NBC drama got a two-year pickup, which hasn't happened in a really long time, and it will keep the show on the air through September 2023. Also, it's 57th and 58th seasons. So a big congratulations, of course, to the show's executive producer, Ken Corday, whose parents created the show, and Ron Carlovati, its head writer since 2017, as well as the cast and crew. I know there were a lot of panicky stories being posted online about whether or not the soap was gonna be canceled because there really hadn't been news of a pickup, but let me say this deal has been in place for months. It was just a matter of working out the details, crossing the T's, dotting the I's from what I am told. Now, personally and professionally, I'm thrilled because I've been watching the show since 1984 and it is the soap that I currently cover for the magazine and have worked on the longest since I joined uh, Soap Opera Digest in 1990. And, you know, I also have to wonder if the pandemic played any part in getting a longer extension. You know, as we know, Days is the only soap that never had to go into reruns because of its accelerated production schedule. It was like so... Uh, seven or eight months ahead. And I can only imagine that NBC was super pleased to have original content on the air during those months, where Hollywood was just basically shut down. All in all, it's just a testament to the enduring nature of these shows and their appeal and value cannot be overstated. You know, I I also think that
2: as networks rely more and more on streaming options, the fact that Days does so well with the streaming audience quite likely worked uh, well in its favor as well. But what could be better than a multi-year pickup? You know, I I feel like the cliffhanger of will days be renewed or not is one we will all be quite happy to do without for a good long while. Um, Now, next week is going to be a really bittersweet one, I think, on General Hospital. In our new issue, we've got a lot of information about the big tribute episode to Sean Donnelly, which is set to air on Friday, May 21st. But what we learned uh, is that news of Sean's death reaches Port Charles in advance of that day. And so throughout the week, we're going to see different characters who knew and loved Sean learning the sad news, reacting to it, and reminiscing about him in the build up to that special standalone episode. And one thing I thought was really interesting is that when the powers that be uh, at GH first learned about the passing of Sean's portrayer, John Riley, they initially thought about maybe just doing like an in memoriam at the end of an episode. But in talking internally about the character of Sean and how he's so emblematic of a really storied and celebrated time in the show's history, Uh, that sort of super spy WSB era that he was part of alongside Scorpio and Anna, Uh, they quickly realized that they wanted to do something bigger to honor and celebrate him and his contribution to the show.
1: Which I love because, you know, as we know from the years we were viewers before editors here, uh, you know, you really feel connected to these characters. You know, if they get married, you share their joy. If they have a child, you're happy for them. And if they pass away you want to go through the grieving process too, especially when it's a real life death. And even in this case, I mean, we're talking about the time that General Hospital was basically put on the map. Yeah. And brought Soaps into just such a different stratosphere. So I feel it's just so fitting to do it with this character. And I'm really looking forward to watching this episode and remembering both John and Sean.
2: Yeah, um, I I had the pleasure of speaking to John's daughter, Caitlin, who will play Sean's daughter, Annie, in the episode. And she said it was just such a special day uh, getting to hear stories about her dad from the people who spent 11 years working so closely with him. And I was struck by how much pride uh, executive producer Frank Valentini really took in this episode. They put a lot of thought and care and money into it uh, to put all the elements in place for a really uh, special hour. And there are going to be some great surprises for longtime fans, including but not limited to the return of Kimberly McCullough as Robin, who was Sean's goddaughter, You know, you and I were talking recently about how important it is to really mark the death of key characters in a meaningful way on screen, that that can be really healing for the audience and how when shows like don't air a funeral or a memorial service, it really kind of undercuts the emotional impact of the fictional death. I, for one, have very specific memories of crying my eyes out at Robert and Anna's funeral back in 1992. Now, I am very glad that reports of their death turned out to be so greatly exaggerated, but we didn't actually know that for many years and I really needed the catharsis of that funeral.
1: Oh, I hear you. I mean, again, we are on a journey with these characters and the perfect example is our guest today, who you mentioned, Kimberly McCullough, who was introduced as Robin Scorpio on the soap at the tender age of seven. And we watched her grow up on screen and deal with incredibly challenging moments, joyous moments, and everything in between. So she will also be back for this episode, and I can't help but feel that it would feel incomplete if she wasn't.
2: Yeah, seeing Robin in scenes with her on-screen parents, Fanola Hughes and Tristan Rogers, is Absolutely one of the things that I'm most looking forward to about the episode. Uh, You know, in soaps, and only in soaps, it is possible to watch someone grow up on camera in real time, but there are only a few who have actually done it. And Kimberly, of course, is one of them. And I think it is such a gift that even though she's not focused on acting anymore as her primary profession, she's still able to visit poor Charles, you know, when her schedule allows, because she means so much to the GH audience. Robin means so much to the GH audience. She's been in so many landmark storylines and successful pairings. And I am so excited to revisit some of those
1: with her today. Well, so am I. So let's get her on the line and see what's going on. Hi, Kimberly. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. Well, Kimberly, we are so happy you could join us. Mara and I have been talking about getting you on the podcast since we started the podcast.
0: That's so cool. What episode number is this?
2: I believe
1: you are lucky 161. Amazing. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. So you were super young when you got started in show business. So how did you find yourself becoming a professional actress so early in life? I actually started out as a
0: dancer I was discovered at a breakdance battle when I was five years old in downtown LA. And then from there, they gave me and my dance partner Che um, parts in the movie break into electric boogaloo as featured dancers. Um, As the shooting went on, they actually decided to give me a line in the movie. And that's why I always say I became an accidental actress because that wasn't supposed to be what happened i was supposed to just dance and pose and flip around in the background so um unfortunately i was really bad and so i begged my mom to send me to acting class and very shortly after that um, even though i continued to go on and audition and dance um, for debbie allen mostly um, some other choreographers between the ages of like five and six, when I turned seven, my second theatrical audition ever was for General Hospital. The first one was for Webster. I did not get it. And the second one was for GH.
2: And um, after 12 auditions, I finally got the job. First of all, I am so heavy hearted that I will never be able to get to say that I was discovered in a dance battle on the street of LA. <laughs> That's like the coolest thing I can imagine. The, your casting story uh, as Robin is so interesting to me. You were, I think, seven years old. It came down to you and Shiri Appleby. What do you actually remember about the process and the auditions themselves and what they had you do? I
0: remember Shiri actually being there. Um, I have a funny story about how we became connected again um, recently, but... Um, she was well known at the time. Um, and I remember also my mom driving me to the auditions in our Colt. I think it was a Ford Colt. I want to say it was a very small tan car and it didn't have air conditioning. And my mother said that, I had to wear the same outfit to every audition so that they would remember me. So it was like this pink um, short sleeve button down shirt that had a collar, Peter Pan collar and puff sleeves. And I remember like pulling on the puff part, like under my armpits so that I didn't like sweat through the shirt on, <laughs> on the way there. And I wore these little white shorts and of course, I always wanted to stop at a drive-through on the way there, and so it was like this whole thing of like making sure that I had like a towel over my lap so I didn't, you know, drop any ketchup on it or whatever. And anyway, um, Sherry and I were the last two for a while, and uh, they had us do these sort of like improv sessions with Fanola and Tristan. Um, one I remember in particular was I was been given the uh, direction to try to get Tristan to eat uh, a sandwich and I was having major anxiety before because at the time I had flippers which are these fake teeth that um, my two front teeth were fake and they would slip in and out and of course I was told by my agent to not let the producers know that I had fake teeth um, because Robin needed to look perfect right Uh, so I didn't know how I was going to be able to get him to eat without eating it myself because that's normally what you do, right? Look, yummy, right? (laughs) Um, so I don't know how I did it, honestly, but I remember it was such a victory when I finally got Tristan to take a bite of this sandwich. Um, and then I also just remember finola, how can I say, just- like from the first moment, given me, giving me the respect of like a veteran actor, like, like challenging me, but also kind of knowing that I could do it, which was so, um, so cool. And, and that sort of continued, you know, and I, I remember thinking, Oh, well, Sherry's going to get this cause she's just so beautiful. You know, she looks like Fanola. Um, and, um, I was so surprised when I did get it. And uh, yeah, it was it was like we didn't skip a beat. It was almost like I just went to work, literally. It was like two days later or something. It's kind of insane. Oh, so the Sherry thing. So recently we both directed Roswell, New Mexico. Well, it seems recently, if you don't count COVID. But um, <laughs> it was over a year ago. But um, it was so nice. She uh, She and I had dinner after her last night of shooting and we were kind of like sitting at the bar having spaghetti and she was telling me like what she remembered about it and I remembered about it and just how we've both kind of had our own careers and now we're both directing and here we are on the same show a show that she originated you know she was the star of the first Roswell um it was just really nice
1: pretty cool
2: that's awesome that's
1: crazy full circle Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, what stands out to you about what it was like to work for the legendary executive producer, Gloria Monti, who hired you?
0: The best. I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard so many great stories about Gloria. Um, I would say that now that I have some perspective on it, and because I'm directing now, I would say that I was really lucky to be around such a strong presence and someone that was such agency that really knew what she wanted and had a vision. Um, and I didn't even know it really, but I was being taught how to direct, you know, she was for all intents and purposes, the executive producer, but she also was like a director. I mean, she oversaw every little aspect, like down to the kind of socks I wore that was what she was concerned with. Um, She was very uh, concerned with my sort of like pedigree in life and like what school I went to. And uh she told me once to never accept less than eight carrots. And I didn't know what that (laughs) meant because I thought she meant carrots and I was a really picky eater and that's like I'm never gonna eat eight carrots because that's disgusting. Um but um you know, it just a trip. Um, like I said, like, I, I think it's so insane now that I've worked with younger actors and I see how people treat them, that all of the people around me were like, no, like you can, you can do this. I'm not going to baby you. I'm not going to give you the easy way out. I'm not going to treat you with kid gloves. You are one of us. And Gloria tr- treated me
1: that way too. That's great. Most of the stories we hear really involve people being terrified by her. So this is our oh. perspective. Really?
0: Oh no, she was so sweet to me.
1: <laughs> she scared a lot of people, apparently. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. Um, so uh Fanola, I think, as you said, kind of collaborated with you from from day one. What was your dynamic with Tristan like? And I I know that. He had something of a mouth on him that helped pay for your jack-in-the-box habit. Back, then.
0: <laughs> You know, it's funny because dur- during that time, I actually wasn't close with my real dad. And so Tristan kind of took on this role of like daddy I- I- and just like really warm. Um, we had more of like a kind of joking relationship. Um. I, ha- I remember I had this giant, I mean, like giant, like 12 foot fake, um, uh, stuffed purple snake. And I used to bug him all the time and I would drag it down the hallway and I'd leave it in his dressing room and I would put it on his couch, like just to piss him off. <laughs> and, um, I don't know why it was just so silly, but like, that's the kind of stuff we did just kind of like pranked each other, you know?
1: That's fun. Love it. Now, I think every GH fan who watched them probably knows what I'm about to say, but there is the famous scene when Anna is reunited with Robin after she was kidnapped. They run into each other's arms. The music's playing, and Mara and I have said it just gets us every time. Now, you shot that on location, so what do you remember about that, and what was it like to even shoot on location at your age at the time?
0: I don't remember much about being there. I think I have a photo of myself in these sort of like Chinese silk pajamas on a bed in a hotel room on the phone. And apparently that's where I learned how to order room service. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's what my mother says anyway. So That's kind of all I remember is like, oh, this is fun. It's like you get treated way better on location. You know, you get all the like the treats and and stuff. Um, Oh, I know. I do remember going to an aquarium there and really liking um, shooting on like the streets. It just added like a, a realistic factor
1: to it. But that's all I remember. Mm hmm. And little do you you know, it would become such a big moment, you know, sort of in the, you know, Anna Robin story, but never mind Robin's history. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, honestly,
0: like that moment was all Fanola. I mean, all I did was run, but I mean, that was all like on her face. That's like one of the most incredible, I mean, slow-mo to the max, right?
2: Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Best use of slow-mo in daytime history, if you ask me. Probably. Um, do you have any specific memories of being the flower girl at some of the biggest weddings that the show had in the 80s, like Frisco and Felicia's and Duke and Anna's?
0: Yes. And what I remember, I think this is really sweet, is the wardrobe department um, whenever there was like a piece of jewelry given to me on the show, which seemed to always happen during the weddings, I remember like a bracelet, a ring, a necklace, they would always make a duplicate one for me. So I would be able to take it home. And so that's what I remember. I remember being like, Ooh, I get to take this bracelet home. (laughs) Um, And I still have a lot of that stuff. I have a a bracelet that says Robin, like a little gold bracelet. I don't know. Re- I think Frisco gave me something. Duke gave me something. Anyway, I, I still have a lot of that stuff.
1: That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, now in 1989, you took home your first daytime Emmy. So when you look back, what stands out to you about hearing your name called and just the experience of it?
0: I don't remember that what I remember is my mom and I took a couple of our family members to New York because that was a big deal to go to New York and our flight was delayed like a lot by like six hours or something so by the time we got to New York which of course is three hours ahead of Los Angeles it was literally in the middle of the night and I was so cranky and we hadn't eaten anything because they had like Run out of food, you know when they had like they delay flights and they don't have any food for you mm-hmm. that's what happened, so we showed up and we're supposed to stay at the Waldorf Astoria, which is like this you know insane hotel in New York City, and they were like, "We gave your room away. We thought you weren't coming, oh. so we're like in the <laughs> lobby at two in the morning with all of our stuff um and, oh, by the way, I didn't have a dress. We were planning on going shopping the next day. So, of course, my mother's stressing out because she's like, we have nowhere to sleep. You don't have a dress. Like, this is happening tomorrow. Saying all of these things, of course, out loud. <laughs> my mother did. And the manager came over and was like, listen, we're going to take care of you. You know, she's like, I have a little girl. Like, she's, she's going to the Emmys tomorrow. Like, come on. And um, they gave us this suite. So this suite was probably like then five grand a night. Like, I mean, it was like a two bedroom, had a living room, a a dining room, two bathrooms. Uh, I mean, it was, I still have uh, pictures of it. It was insane. And so we just like lived the life. And then the next day I went to Saks, ended up buying a dress on sale, actually, 50% off. It was this red dress. And um, that's what I remember: Just going, going to the Emmys in a limo.
2: <laughs> a lot more glamorous than what I was doing at twelve or whatever you were. <laughs> ten. I was only ten. Oh my gosh! Um, so the, the year after that victory, Robin was at the center of one of the most—we'll uh, call it—notorious stories in general hospital history when she befriended Casey the alien So I want to know did you have fun with that story or were you kind of rolling your eyes at it or both like what was your vibe on it at the time
0: at the time I think his name was Bradley the guy that played Casey yeah I just loved him so much he was so fun And I learned early on that if you're going to be an actor on a soap opera, you have to take everything seriously. That's your job. So while other people may have been rolling their eyes, um, I took it very seriously. (laughs) And uh, I thought it was great. Honestly, like there was some really, back then, as you guys may remember, there was a lot of humor in the show. Mm -hmm. And Casey had some funny moments. I mean, quirky as they may be, I think it added a lightness that um, was kind of needed during that time.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so good memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, that storyline happened, you know, kind of at a point where Robin was too old to be like the little Moppet, but too young to have a, like a mature romantic relationship, sh- shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, you've told us in the past that you felt your job was on the line at the time. So was that an upsetting thought to you? Or were you like, you know, whatever will be, will be?
0: Mm, That's a good question. Um, The thought of losing my job wasn't upsetting. The thought of losing my job because I wasn't sexy was upsetting. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, Because I couldn't control that. Um, I mean, that sort of pressure went on. Even when I left the show, I remember agents, managers, my acting coach, everyone was like you got to have like you got to put you got to stuff your bra basically. Like you have to have big boobs or you're just not going to and I just didn't understand. I was like, "But I'm playing like the girl next door. I'm like playing the nerd. I'm like I'm not even playing like the hot girl." And and um yeah, so that was kind of confusing, especially because like at the time I wasn't a very, um, sex wasn't on my mind. Just put it that way. I was really innocent. And, um, so I was willing to grow up in the sense of like, become more mature. Um, they, they had me do speech therapy, which didn't do a lot of, (laughs) didn't do a lot of good. I still sound like a child, but, um, I did those kinds of things. I, I said, "Okay, like I understand you want me to be more mature." So I did the speech therapy. Um, but yeah, the the sexy thing, like I just it just never, it just never worked for me. Really,
2: it it really like broke my heart when you you once described to me kind of being in like the photo shoot with like Antonio and mm-hmm. Vanessa and Steve and just feeling uncomfortable, you know? Uh, I, I think they really really did, I think though, make the most of like Robin as an adolescent who wasn't necessarily super sexualized and, you know, had issues with her parents and then was grieving for them and made it work, you know? Yeah. They, they definitely tried to keep me
0: on the show. And then they also hired super sexy people to be around me. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I I remember thinking like, oh, if I hadn't grown up on this show, there is no way I would have been cast as a teenager on this show. Because the normal thing you do is you recast the cute kid that you watch grow up and you cast them with like super hot chick. Mm-hmm. And then she may or may not be as good of an actress. And I think that what they did with me was so nice because they invested in me and they invested in the character and they're like no Robin is going to be a, a hero and she's going to be an intelligent hero and you know it's not like I was but ugly but I was
1: you know
0: <laughs> I was cute yes, so are. so you
1: know I, I I stayed on the show mm-hmm. thankfully mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um now, when Tristan Finola left in 1992, Robin's uncle Mac became her guardian. so tell us about your relationship with John J. York. Oh, I
0: love him so much. Uh, yeah, he just he just came on and just fit right in. He is one of those people that um, just he just brings such a like vibrancy to the set and to the character. He's so funny. Um, Yeah, I just really got along with him so well. I mean, I still, I still do. (laughs) He's the best, he's the best.
2: Um, So it was not long after Robin was orphaned that she fell for stone and and their love story began. Uh, Of course, it uh, ended up becoming quite a tragic story when he died of AIDS in 1995. Uh, but to this day, it's held up as a fan favorite. It was so critically acclaimed as well. What um, like, what are your most vivid memories of working with Michael Sutton on that story and telling that story?
0: Uh, I remember it being incredibly intense. I remember thinking of Michael as like my partner in crime Uh, I remember John Homa, who was our acting coach, really being our guardian angel through it all. I remember Francesca James being there, uh, for me personally and just, I don't know, she just, she just has such compassion and warmth. And I think that just her energy around that story really helped, um, tell it with hope and not fear and yeah I I remember it being very strange having to think about my mortality every day while I was still going to regular school and around a bunch of kids who were um, definitely doing drugs and having unprotected sex and just acting like they were invincible you know Mm -hmm. that was hard for me because I was having to deal with, you know, this other thing um, that thankfully wasn't real, but it was definitely things I had to think about. So, um, yeah, it was really intense. I was glad when it was over.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, do you remember what your reaction was to learning that Robin would be diagnosed as HIV positive?
0: It seemed like the right thing to do. Um, I, I remember Wendy Rich told me that and she didn't tell me right away. She waited until the storyline had kind of got its legs, but yeah, it made sense to me. I thought, well, of course it has, she has to, because otherwise, why are we telling this story? Um, it just, yeah, it just felt
2: right. Well, Robin's, uh, relationship with Stone also brought her, quite deeply into Sunny's private world. Tell us about working with his portrayer, Maurice Bernard.
0: Maurice is like one of the most soulful, um, insightful people I've ever met. And again, like another person in my life and career who believed that, you know, the status quo wasn't good enough. It always, it always had to be better. Um, what can we do to make this scene better, to elevate it, to make it more detailed, to make it more relatable, to, um, make it deeper. And that was always my experience with him. And I think that once we developed a language, um, and how we work together, then we didn't have to really think about it. It was just sort of like, we like hook in And, you know, he would always joke, like, all you have to do is look at me and I cry, you know. Um, But, yeah, we're very uh, emotionally connected. We're both Pisces. We're both emotional. Uh, Yeah, so he's, like, my soul brother. (laughs) (laughs) Love
1: that. Um, Now, in 1996, you won Emmy number 2. So what did that mean to you, and what was that experience like?
2: And what hotel
1: did you stay (laughs) in?
0: Well, for me, I was actually going to NYU at the time. So for me, it was a couple things. It was like I was a grown-up going by myself. And also the recognition of the story meant more to me than the award for myself. Um yeah I just felt like it was a recognition of like thank you for telling this story sort of in real time um thank you for telling it with integrity with heart with hope you know it was so um it was just like a gift I feel like to the writers and the producers at the time to just tell them like right on. You did, you know, you did a good thing. And I was just sort of the vessel of that, you know.
2: Now, uh, going chronologically through Robin's love life, uh, her next big relationship was with Jason Morgan. So what was it like to um, be in, you know, paired with Steve Burton, like especially since you had been co-stars for a while and he was sort of newly into the process of creating Jason 2.0, the post-brain-injury version of the former Jason Quartermain?
0: Well, I think Steve was much older than me, so I was intimidated. Um, However, I felt like I had just kind of come into my own as an actor, so I felt like I could play on that level, and I also learned that Steve is also very sensitive, um, which I kind of didn't know that about him before, and we developed this friendship um, that I think was really pleasantly surprising to me. And I really liked how Jason and Robin were kind of coming of age together in a sense, even though they were totally different people.
1: Well, skipping ahead a bit, when you returned to the show on contract after some years away, Robin was paired with Patrick and the Scrubs phenomenon was born. So what (laughs) stands out to you about having Jason Thompson as a leading man and the Robin-Patrick love story in general? That was the first time I think I felt
0: like a woman and like I could be flirty and uh sexy you know like before that in my other relationships like I said I was always like intimidated it was always it always felt like too much you know um but I felt like Jason and I were a good match uh and we definitely like to flirt with each other and mess with each other and that Vibe translated, you know nicely through the the characters. And it's funny because you know he was just kind of starting out. So in a way, I was guiding him and teaching him some things. Um, but he also brought this confidence and also this sort of fresh, um, kind of f- fresh vibe to a soap character. Um, he was just playful. And I think a lot of like the, the handsome dudes, if you will, were very like brooding and very like blue steel. And um, although he's incredibly handsome, he brought a sort of playfulness that was
2: really nice. It's just unfortunate that none of your pairings were hits, you know? What, what can yeah. we say? <laughs> uh,
0: no, this is great. Thanks. This is like memory lane. Jeez.
2: Uh, so when you left the show in 2012, it was in large part because you felt ready to make the full-time shift to director. Uh, the original plan was for Robin to die, but as we know, that was scrapped and uh, made it possible for you to dip back into the show here and there as your schedule permits. But what do you remember about making that decision? Well, I do
0: think that I sort of fake died um, or the fact that I fake died was a good thing because it allowed me to have some kind of closure and more so say goodbye to Robin and Patrick of it all, even though we ended up getting back together and all you know I didn't know that at the time. I thought this was the end um, and and it just sort of helped me sort of like close that door. And I, I believe at the time, that's when I got into the ABC directing program. So I could really just commit and say, no, now I'm a director. That's what I do. Um, so I remember that being that I was so supported. I remember all of the people on the show were like, we're so sad to see you go, but you need to go. You know, it was almost like graduating college or something and hoping to make my parents proud. At the time, I had no idea if any of this was going to work out. Thankfully, it has.
1: But, um, but yeah, I just felt a lot of support around it. Well, talk to us about your trajectory as a director. So when, when you really began pursuing it in earnest, how did you start? Like, how did you find your way into that leg of the industry?
0: I honestly really began pursuing it for real when I was 16. I made my first short with Vanessa Marcel starring in it. I went to NYU to study directing. I didn't finish there, but I did go directly into guest starring on a bunch of different TV shows. And then I would ask the director if I could shadow them. So that was like in my early 20s. Um, funny story, one of the first directors I shadowed was Joanna Kearns, and she was one of the directors on the show I'm currently a producer on, which is High School Musical, and we share a credit for directing together. Now two credits for directing together. <laughs> awesome. So, so cool. Um, she's amazing. So, I started way back then. Um, I knew... I knew about like 12 that I wasn't going to grow up to be an actor. I just didn't know what that meant. I thought maybe architect or something else, um, having to do with math. Cause I love math. So what I love about directing and what I kind of found out is that it's like math plus art. And that seemed to really fit my personality. And, uh, I did the AFI Directing Workshop for Women in 2010 and our first day the the head of the program sat us down and said listen you are directors when you talk about yourself i don't want you to say you want to be a director someday or you wish you could be from now on you just are and that sort of changed my life so that Um, along with making five short films, and then eventually through the ABC directing program in 2012 was when I got my first job for Shake It Up for the Disney Channel.
2: Mm -hmm. When you think about the credits that you've amassed as a director, um, is there a particular assignment or gig that you feel like was a game changer for you, either because of the doors that it opened or how creatively satisfying it was for you or because it gave you like a deeper confidence in yourself in the profession?
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, the obvious one is high school musical because it encompasses my dance and singing background. And also I get to work with like the most talented young people. While we were shooting last season, you know, Olivia Rodrigo's song went number one in the world and You know, she just shows up the next day to work and she's playing Nene, um, which is so amazing. Uh, So I would say that. And then after my first season on that show, I directed two episodes. Tim Federle, the showrunner, asked me to be a producer on season two. And so that has opened doors to me as a producer. It's the first television show I've produced and um and also now i'm in contention for pilots um i just got some big news yesterday about a movie can't share it yet but um yeah i, w- I would say that creatively satisfying and also game changer mm-hmm. well That's we
1: are. A- Yes, it is, and we are on the precipice of the debut of season two, uh, because Days of Our Lives alum, Olivia Keegan, will be appearing in season two. So Yes, I worked doing- very closely with
0: her. Okay. She was in lots of my episodes. Okay. I love her.
2: <laughs> hey, did she so get did the we- thumbs up?
0: Oh, of course. Actually, she when we came back from our break, um, she had won an Emmy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And we talked about that, but yeah, I absolutely love, we call her Keegan on set so that we don't get Olivia Rodrigo and Olivia Rose Keegan confused. So it's Liv and Keegan. Uh Um, so if I say that, that's what I mean. Um, yeah. Fabulous to be able to talk about our soap lives together.
1: That must be so interesting because it really is such a, you know, unique experience, especially doing it when you're young Mm -hmm. and then, maybe comparing your experience with someone else who's done it because I feel like unless you've done it maybe you don't really understand what goes into doing the rigors of doing a soap opera no
0: like literally nobody understands unless you've done it um and I was able to talk to her in terms of like just just ways that you shoot a soap versus the way that we shoot HSM is just different. Um, And, you know, soap actors always impress everybody because they know their lines backwards and forwards and they know everybody else's lines because that's just a muscle that you (laughs) gain from working on soaps. Um, So, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, she is – this is a very different character for her. You'll see she's funny. She's very funny. And um, she sings – a song in episode two, and she just kind of blows it out of the water. Can't wait for you guys to see it. I'm so excited. I will be watching. (laughs) Okay, good.
2: Um, So as fans of yours know, you also have a child now. How is mom life and how is being a working mom? It's so awesome and so insane.
0: I I was just talking to um, my partner yesterday because I said we got this great news. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, man, I really, really tried to have one thing before the other. Like, I really, really tried to make a movie before I turned 30. Like, I really, really, really tried to have a baby before I was 40. Um, And it just so happens that it all happened at the same time. So that is what life has given me. Like, I'm getting all my gifts at once. Like, you ever been to, like, have, like, a birthday party and you're like, God, I wish I could just, like, space these gifts out because they're all so great and, like, really enjoy every one of them?
1: I yeah. don't it's even like- know who you're talking to. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> My cohort over here is the queen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true.
0: That's, that's how it feels. I feel like, God, how can I complain? I have, like, the best – I have all the gifts. I just have them all right now. So it's, you know – it's hard for me to um,
1: take it all in. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. It really is. (laughs) Um, Now, in the past, you've kept up with the show, even when you haven't been on it, General Hospital, I mean. So shout out to your status as a Liz and Lucky super fan.
0: Um, Psycho fan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Are you still able to watch, or are you too busy, understandably?
0: I haven't watched it. I mean, I definitely do if... I'm I happened to be around a TV at that time but um no I was in Utah for the last 5 months um with high school musical and um uh, during quarantine though I did watch it <laughs>
2: <laughs> Okay we're not calling you out we're just checking in we're just finding out <laughs> So we, General Hospital, we regular viewers of the show know that we're going to get to see you uh, back on GH this coming week when Robin takes part in this special episode centered around celebrating the life of the late Sean Donnelly and honoring his portrayer, John Riley. So uh, what, what was working with John like and what kind of relationship did you have with, with him on the show or off camera, I should say?
0: You know what, I remember about John is that he was just such a family man. He just, I remember him just loving his wife, loving his daughters, he was just surrounded by women, um, family, not like womanizer, like the women in his family. Um, and just like what a what a like gentleman he was, you know, and and um so incredibly charming and a great actor and always just so kind to me. You know, I, 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 man, I was just lucky. Like I, it's funny cause I remember women at these conventions, uh, fan, fan events and stuff. They would always say like, Oh my God, I can't believe you get to be around, you know, John Riley and Jack Wagner and Tristan Rogers and, I didn't, I really didn't understand what they were saying, like, because I, I was a kid, obviously, I didn't understand that they were, like, the hottest guys on TV, <laughs> um, because they were just so nice and warm to me, and, um, yeah, John was, uh, just such a, ge- such a gentleman, that's how I remember him.
1: hmm Well, what was it like being back on set and seeing your GH family and taking part in this special episode? John's daughter, Caitlin Riley,
0: was on the show with us. She played a character. She played his daughter. Yeah. And I'm obsessed with her. I follow her on Instagram. She's hilarious. Um, But I think that just to be a part of a tribute to a a man that I personally loved um, and also the character...
2: Was so fun. If you happen by a, a a newsstand, you might see yourself
1: on the cover of Self Opera Digest with some of your your peoples. Oh goodness! Which <laughs> <Okay, laughs> great, yeah. Well, I was gonna say, which also begs the question. I mean, anytime you do come back, it really is such a huge moment for fans. It still generates so much publicity. I don't even know if you're aware of it, but you know. What does that mean to you that so many years later that this character still resonates and that you as an actress are still so cared about so deeply by the fans? Uh, Again,
0: it kind of just goes back to like, it's just such a gift. Like, I can't believe that I got to grow up on TV with all these wonderful people who I consider my family, you know? And it's definitely a home base for me. It's so nice to just be back on set with all of them. Um, I always joke that I forget how to act, but honestly, I don't think I did. Like, I actually still think, like, I think I still got it, kind of. Um, <laughs> so that was it. like, you know, I've just been spending so much time behind the camera, you know, my face covered. It was interesting to sort of be uh, in the spotlight, but also... Felt very comfortable because of the people that were surrounding me.
2: I heard you had quite the Gabby
0: lunch with Fanola that day. I don't even think either of us ate because we just talked through the (laughs) whole thing. Her and I talk all the time, but yes, we did. We did have lunch together that day. But yeah, just the fact that the fans, I mean, that's just what the greatest thing about soap operas is, is you can play the same character and you can still have a connection with your fans, you know, 30 years
2: later. That's insane. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Well, looking back, you know, on the role that GH played in your early life, in your young adult life, in your whole life, and the trajectory of your career, how would you say that landing the role and playing Robin helped shape the, the woman and director you are today? Just the
0: every day of it all. You know, I think soap operas are unique in the sense that we shoot an episode every single day. And just the, like, hundreds of episodes that I've done and the hundreds of actors that I've got to work with really gave me a sense of how different people like to work, how they like to be talked to. And so as a director, I think that I'm really good at sussing those things out quickly. I also learn sort of like what not to do. Um, any times where I felt uncomfortable or exploited um, on set, I've tried to do the opposite. And uh, Josh Joshua Bassett, who's the one of the leads on High School Musical, we were rapping and um, everyone was just kind of standing around looking at each other because we couldn't touch, but we wanted to like celebrate. <laughs> um, And he came up to me and he's like, Hey, so, you know, he's a kid. He's like, Hey, so, um, yeah, just, you know, you know, we always talk about this and I just like, like all of all of us in the cast. And I just like, have to tell you, you know, you make all of us feel so safe and why am I going to cry? What's wrong with me? Um, yeah. So it's like, that's, that's what it did, you know, that, that experience allowed me to, you know, transfer that to this, like, whole other group of actors, and that, that's kind of, like, all I want, you know,
1: you have definitely right. crying right now, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> Well, Kimberly, this has just been such an amazing, you know, journey down your memory lane, and, and thank yeah, you thanks. for sharing all of these incredible memories with us, and we look forward to High School Musical, the musical, the series, coming out this week, actually the day the podcast comes out um, on Friday, and um, great moving forward and seeing the special episode and what you do next.
0: Thanks. Yeah, definitely watch episode one and two. I directed one and two. Um, They're my favorite thing I've
1: ever done. So check them out. All right. Well, thanks for all your time today. And we hope to talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Kimberly McCullough for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.